Hello, and welcome to Solid Word Bible Church. On behalf of Pastor J. Curtis Costin, we are delighted that you are joining us and trust that you will be blessed as you apply these truths to your life.
Word Bible Church family and friends. Angie McMahon is here, Director of Children's Ministry. Last week, we celebrated kids graduating from high school, college, and within our children's ministry. We forgot to mention one of our littles, Carrington Mills, who was going to kindergarten at the Mills Homeschool Academy of Excellence. And I also want to mention that we have a new coordinator of the nursery, Sierra Riley, who is teaching today's Bible lesson with the help of her family. So head on over to the solidword.org slash kids and enjoy your time with the Lord. Today I am going to be reading a verse from Job 29, starting from verse 11. Everyone who heard me said good things about me. Those who saw me honor me. That's because I saved poor people who cried out for help. I saved helpless children whose fathers had died. Those who were dying gave me their blessing. I made the hearts of widows sing. I put on a godly life as if it were my clothes. Fairness was my robe and my turban. I was like eyes for those who were blind. I was like feet for those who couldn't walk. I was like a father who to needy people. I stood up for strangers in court. Sinners are like animals that have powerful teeth. But I took from their mouths the people they had caught. Thank you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mind.
This week has definitely been a challenging and a tough week as we have witnessed um, some horrible scenes um, as we have been trying to deal with uh, some of the ongoing injustices that we have um, witnessed and that we have been hearing about and what have been reported. And as of late, we know some of the injustices that we've seen on video um, in Georgia, in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, just recently in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was going to finish off with our Ruth series and uh, just could not this week. And really, uh, we will get to that um, in the following week, but really wanted to settle our hearts here on the kind of righteous life that the Lord honors and approves of. And there are many places where I can go to with this. And of course, the ultimate example of a righteous life is with our Lord and with our Savior, Jesus Christ. I could go throughout any place in his life and pinpoint it. But where my heart settled because of how he defended his righteousness and his integrity, my heart went to and settled in the book of Job. And so this morning, we're going to spend some time there and looking at this, <clears throat> what a truly righteous life looks like, or even as according to the New Testament, what true religion is, what it looks like. And so I want you to bear with me this Sunday as we go off script a bit and we look at this and we direct our attention in a sense into through his example and now with us being in this covenantal relationship with God through the work of Christ, that we can be this, this, this shining example of who God is at a moment and a time when our world needs to see it deeply and desperately. And so if you would bow your heads with me, we'll pray, and then we'll get into the scripture that has been read before our time. Pray with me. Father, thank you that we can come to you. <clears throat> our hearts are still heavy. Lord, our minds are have been all over the place, and hopefully we've been able to settle our minds and our hearts in your character as revealed in your word. Lord, we thank you that we have you. Father, because in this world there would be no hope if you had not rescued us in Christ, if Christ was not there as that hope, as the only way in which man will be saved from himself and from sin. If we had not had Christ, where would we be? And so we thank you today for Jesus Christ. And as we get into the word, I pray you would open our minds and our hearts, but you would soften our hearts, Lord, to where you want us to be, how we are to navigate these waters and how we are to be a part of your healing process, Lord, in this world. God, we are not looking for a quick fix. Father, we are looking for your strong hand to lead us and to guide us to where you are desiring. God, that indeed some may come to know Christ, but all may see the glory of God displayed through his church. Father, open our eyes this morning as we read in Christ's name. Amen. 
Before we start at verse 12, of course, in this particular chapter, chapter 29, as we're starting to come down towards um, the end, uh, toward the end with Job. Job is now giving this defense of his integrity of his life, and he gives it because he is not understanding the extreme hardship that, that has happened upon him. Um, he was a wealthy man. He was a very healthy man. He was a prosperous one. He was an influential one. He was a well-respected well man. And so in those things, and he was a very godly man, he did not understand how all that translated into where he found himself. And so now in his defense, as he was talking with his friends or his not-so-friendly friends, I don't know you can call them friends, but that um, as he was responding um, in this chapter, he's given a defense of his life and of how he's been and who he's been and why this should have turned into him not suffering in the manner, in the way that he was. Job had to have a recalibration of his perspective, of his view, because his view was one is because I was living, um, because of how I lived in response to who God is, it should have translated into something different than where I am. And although we're not going to talk about this whole point that the righteous suffer, I am going to get to, as he is proving and as he is defending himself, himself, I want us to see a picture of what a righteous life looks like, and it has application for where we are today in our society, in our cities, in our nation. And so I'm going to start in the beginning when Job takes up a discourse again, and verse 1 says, and Job again took up his discourse and said, oh, that I was in the months of old as in the days when God watched over me. And just stop there for a second. He was saying, boy, I'm looking for the good old days when the Lord's hand was over me because he is now thinking that the Lord is against him. It's kind of that scenario that we've been hearing in the book of Ruth, that he was thinking God was against him when it was actually God. If you know anything about the book of Job and the story there, it was the Lord himself that had um, made notice of him and had, and had talked about him before Satan and had talked with him before others. Have you noticed my servant Job? And so he didn't realize that God was not against him, but with all that was happening, he did. And so he says in verse 3, as he continues his reminiscing, when his lamp shone upon my head and by his light I walked through darkness. As I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. And stop there, and, and I can go on. He continues to talk about first his friendship with God, and he was in great relationship with God, and, 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 and I was with God, and God was over me, and I was walking with the Lord. And if you go into the verses after that, which I'm not going to read, verses 7 through 10, he talks about the influence that he had. And he talks about how people respected him and how 
um, and how he was a man of integrity. And so here was not a man living, living recklessly. He was not a man that was living carelessly. He was one that was living really um, very determined and, and, and very intentionally. He was a man that was living for God and under God in the way prescribed by God. He was a godly man and hardship had hit. And we're not going to focus on the hardship. We're going to focus on the description that Job gives as he's defending his integrity before God. Now, ultimately, God had to call him and to correct him um, because um, um, Job was calling God, in essence, on the carpet and really shouldn't have been doing that. But Job was here defending rightly, although we have to be careful sometimes because we think just because we're living righteously, I should get X, Y, Z. That's another sermon for another time. But here, Job is defending his righteous life. And so, verse 11, he says, When the ear heard, it called me blessed. In other words, people heard others talk about me, and when the eye saw, it approved. People, people spoke well of the kind of life I lived, and when they saw how I lived, they approved of it. They approved of his life. And here's why they approved of his life, and here's where I want us to hear today. I'm not giving you points. I'm just going to walk through this text, and I want us to see where we are in this. And how are we letting the Lord demonstrate the righteousness of Christ for those who have received Christ as your Savior, that it is being demonstrated and shown outside of your life in, 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 in who you are? And if this is what people see of you, and does it characterize you? Remember, these things do not make you a child of God. They do not make you one in whom God now saves. It is out of a covenantal relationship with God, it is out of God um, <clears throat> coming to you out of grace and out of his mercy. And now he is in you that this kind of life comes out. He says in verse 12, <clears throat> because I delivered the poor who cried for my help and the fatherless who had none to help him. Think about this for a second, because how he determines how he wants to show and, and, and make a defense for his righteous life. He says, number one, I was in relationship with God and I loved God. It's going to sound familiar in a moment. I loved God. God was my friend. He was over me. He visited my tent. I was in communion with him. And then he goes, and I loved people. And here's the people I loved because scripture is scattered. It is throughout scripture. We see references time and time again to your righteousness is displayed in how you live around people in society. Um, your, your life in Christ is demonstrated as true and genuine when you interact with other people, not just Christians, with other people, period. And it shows what kind of change has happened on the inside. That's for us today. Back here, Job said, I was righteous because God, was, God visited me. We were in relationship together. We were in communion together. And then I did something that demonstrated that I was with God. 
I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. You have to understand that there has been called the quartet of the vulnerable back in those times. And that would be the widow, because there was no one to protect her in this male-dominated society. The orphan who had no parents that could watch over and provide for them. You had the immigrant who the laws of the land did not apply to, and so they could be taken advantage of and abused. And the poor who did not have the resources to defend themselves and to help themselves. And we see throughout Scripture that God calls his people that they are to respond to that quartet back then of the vulnerable or those who had voices that were either ignored or no voice at all. And so understand, this action didn't save him. This wasn't a requirement for being righteous. It was an outflow from being righteous. This is what righteous people do. And so he comes and he says, verse 13, I'm going to back up. He says, the blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me. The blessing of that one who was about to perish, meaning the person who was about to go totally under, blessed me because I kept him from going under. I was a rescuer, which meant I had to be there. I couldn't be screaming from a distance. I had to be there. And he continues on and he says, I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Wow. Because widowhood was and could be a very miserable state and a very sad time. Not only did you lose your husband, your love, you lost your protection. Can I just go back to the story of Ruth and Naomi that we've been studying? She lost her husband protector and then her son's protector and she thought it was all over. Miserable. And he says, Job says, I made the widow's heart sing. I brought joy into her life by who I was to her. I'm giving you a picture of the righteous life. It's just not one where we memorize lots of scripture, although you should be doing that. It's not one where we gather as, 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 as people, whether virtually or in person, we should do that. And it is also one in which, yes, it's, it's, it's not just being in communion with God because that has to be the very first thing that's there. But there is this outworking of this life on the inside that must show on the outside if there's something there. And he's already given us, if we as believers were in a position where the poor were calling our name because we have been coming to their aid. If the widow is singing joyfully because of how you have entered into her life, let's put that into modern day. It is the person who is vulnerable and hopeless, whether widow or not today, would, would, would sing for joy because of what 
you have done and who you have been as you've partnered, as you've come alongside. The person who has gone without that homeless person begins to bless your name because they know how you have been. That person who doesn't have a dad and that person who doesn't have that male figure in your in in their life comes to you and honors you because you've stepped in and you've done that. You are beginning to show what true righteousness is. He's not done. Job continues. He says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Stop there for a second. He says, and we see this throughout scripture. Colossians tells us to put on and to put off. Those are always analogies of how we are to allow righteousness to be. And so he tells us to put off the flesh, take it off like a garment, and to put on righteousness like a garment. Colossians tells us that. But he says here is that righteousness or that right relationship with God, that right relationship with God is draped over me like clothing. Now, their clothing would be different from ours and had the more the, 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 the more the, the one piece tunic type thing that hangs down, it would drape them. And he says, I wore it. Righteousness was my clothing. It's what's covered me. When you saw me, you saw my clothing. You saw my righteousness. You saw my right relationship with God. And thus you saw my right relationship with others. I don't understand how people can call themselves believers in Christ and hate and and respond out in hatred for especially other peoples within the family of God, but everyone that bears the image of God. I don't understand that. He says, righteousness was my clothing. You saw it when you saw me. You saw how I lived. When you interacted with me, you saw my clothing. Just like right now, I'm interacting with you, although by camera right now, but you are looking at my clothing as you're interacting with me. What would it look like? What would it look like if when people interacted with us, they saw the righteousness of God and the friendship with God and and the approval with God in our lives and they saw it by how we dealt with them? Today, people are screaming in the streets because of the injustices that have been going on for years. And oh, that Christians would be known for their righteousness. And it's about to come to their justice. This isn't just you living out of um, living out of verse. It says it's this lifestyle of when you interact with people is how you interact. Remember when he said I wore righteousness like a cloth. He had already described some ways in which he had interacted with people. And so he comes now and he says, my justice was like a robe and a turban. In other words, it properly dressed me. You have to understand the culture. They were people that wore turbans at that time. 
they were people that would wrap the head, and you see it today in the culture. Today, we've seen that for many people as some sort of sign of, 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 of folks being scared of people, but this culture, the turban was worn. And he says, my justice, the word mishpat, that word which means to, not only to punish for wrong, it means to give people their, their, their due. And so in other, it is to give people what they're due. In this particular case, he says that they were due to be treated as image bearers of God. And so if they were poor, I came to their rescue. If they were those that didn't have someone to protect them, I, I myself protected them when I could. He says, if they needed covering, I, I covered them as part of my righteousness. He didn't say that's your problem. He didn't say pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He didn't say I got mine, you got yours. He said I could, I could do something about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I could do something about it, so I did it. And it was not out of the sense of wanting to have a moment where you could look at me or where I can record this and I can get likes on 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 Instagram or or on whatever social media platform you find yourself. That's not the case here. He did it because it was an outflowing of a righteous life. It's who he was. It's who you are if you belong to Christ. Even if it's not being demonstrated in your life, God may be calling you to it, may be pushing you toward it, but it's too uncomfortable. And God is calling for many of us to get uncomfortable and to demonstrate the righteousness that he has put in us and allowed to shine through us. And so Job comes and he says, wow. <clears throat> the poor called my name. The father that's blessed me. The one who was about to perish, about to go under, about to die, I rescued. And I brought joy to those who were normally miserable. Part of it was by his presence. He says, my justice, that, mishpah, that, that <clears throat> my justice, and that word appears so many times, in Old Testament, in various forms, over 200 times in Scripture, was like a robe and a turban. And verse 15, I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. In other words, I led those blind physically, yes. And we can even say spiritually, I led those blind to where they needed to go. I didn't take advantage of them. I didn't take advantage of them. I saw one of these <clears throat> experiments where several people were in on it. And the person behind the cash register and the person who was pretending to be blind and some of the stores and they had unsuspecting people there. <clears throat> and what they were going to do was to have the shop owner or the clerk to take advantage of the blind person when they gave them money and to see what the other people said around them. And it was interesting that not everyone spoke up. Some people let the blind man or the one who was playing a blind man be abused when they could have done something about it. That's not God-like. That's not Christ-like. God says, if 
you are present and you are able, you do something. And so in here he goes, I was eyes to the blind. They couldn't see, but I could. So I saw for them. The lame, they couldn't walk. And so maybe that meant, one, I carried them. I took out from my time and put it into their life, bore their burden and carried them. Those that cannot walk or those that cannot move for themselves, those that are paralyzed by the, even the injustices today, I was, well, why? Because I am demonstrating the love and the compassion of God. Does it mean that I stop preaching the gospel? No, it doesn't. It means that I, that I, that I use my words and I proclaim, but I use my life and I demonstrate I do both. Because I bet you the widow who was singing his name, if that was today and someone came to the rescue and someone kept helping and someone kept defending, when it came time for you to talk about the love of God, they've already seen it, so they're going to listen or they're more apt to listen to you because you've demonstrated what you're trying to tell them. You don't stop proclaiming the gospel. Back it up with your life. And so we see here next, <clears throat> he says, verse 16, I was a father to the needy and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. Listen to Job on this one. He said, those who had needs that only a father could give in that male-dominated society, that need which only a father could give to them, I filled that need. He didn't say how he did. It could have been time. It could have been treasure. It could have been uh, resources. It could have been influence. It didn't matter. He became the father to the one that needed a father. Job was defending his integrity and his righteousness here. Let's not forget that. And so for us, this is getting a glimpse into what this kind of righteous life. And yes, you say, well, that was before Christ, right? And so now, by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, this is something that could clearly happen because God is working in and through us. <laughs> and so he goes. I searched. This calls for great devotion and work. I didn't just take the easy cause. I went out and looked. I joined in. I sought for the help. I went out to search for the cause that I could be the answer to for the people that I didn't even know. I didn't just go to my friends. Some of us can be cold-hearted because it doesn't affect us in our area. It doesn't affect our circle and our sphere. So we step back and we stand apart and we say, that's not me. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with that. Job said, oh no, I looked for the cause for the one that I didn't even know because I know that there were some people who could be, I mean, who could benefit from what I am, I mean, from what I have and from whom I am. They could benefit from it. They could benefit from my status. Remember, he had just talked about his wealth. He talked about his connection. He 
talked about his influence when he said, when I walked up, people sat quiet and waited for me to speak and others got out the way as I walked by. He was a man of high influence and he used that influence to help those who had none. And it was a demonstration of his righteousness that he wore and that was externally seen. What was happening on the inside was demonstrated on the outside for you and I today that Christ that we say is on the inside better be shown on the outside or we may just be deceiving ourselves. And so he comes now as he finishes up. He says, I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. You have to understand that. When he says, I broke the fangs, the picture, the imagery he wants you to see is of an animal already in the grip of a predator, of an animal of prey. And it's not, it's chasing him, it's in his mouth. He's taking him down. It's only a matter of time before he's gone, destroyed, devoured. Listen to the imagery that he's wanting to paint here. He says, I broke it. In essence, I broke his jaw. I broke his strength. I broke the hole that he had on him. Now, is he trying to somehow tell you to get violent? No, he's saying the hole that he had, I made him loose it. I brought who I was and all of my influence and all of my status and everything that I had, I brought it to bear that the, that, 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 that the unrighteous person, that, that life that is out of relationship with God and thus out of relationship with other men, I caused him to break his grip on the person that had fell prey to him. God is calling you and I to be a part of loosening the grip of, of the unrighteous. What's the point? So that today, so that those that were once prey can be the people that will praise God as they are delivered from the hand of the spiritual enemy, physical enemy, and now brought before God in reconciliation with him. God has called us. We see in the New Testament that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation, primarily reconciling people back to God. But in doing that, we're also going to end up reconciling people to one another. And if you think that's going to come easy, you are sadly mistaken. This is not for the faint of heart. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. This is not going to be easy. God has given you something and he's causing you what you've been given to be used for more than just you. And so this is a mirror for us to look in today. And when he says, I broke the fangs and I made him drop, he loosened his grip. Let him go. No, you're not having this one. No, you won't do that. No, we're bringing to bear godly pressure. No, we're not trying with some, with some human agenda that we have here. Our agenda better be out of righteousness. Remember, Job said, I was clothed with righteousness and justice that justice based on God's standard is what you is what my turban was or I wrapped my head around. I wrapped my head in and it was also my cloak. He says, listen, righteousness and justice 
go hand in hand with the Lord because that's what he did for us. You know that the scripture says that we are now the righteousness of God. Why? Because of Jesus Christ who came and broke the jaw, broke the fangs that sin and Satan had on us. And through his death, he snapped his power and caused sin and death to drop us out of its mouth. And so now we have from Romans where it says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It dropped us out of its mouth. And so today you and I are free in Christ. And even if we're not experiencing freedom as a people, we understand that God is the avenger of the vulnerable. We see that throughout Scripture. You can just take a stroll throughout history in the Bible and you'll see where God is the avenger of the vulnerable. And if you think he just sits by and let it happen just mindlessly, you don't know God. But I tell you also, if you think you're going to take revenge your way and outside of God, you will miss him and you will misrepresenting him and then you end up misrepresenting him. The issue for us today is that we wage war, but we wage it differently. It tells us that your, your fight is a spiritual one first. It's not against flesh and blood. And as we do battle, even though we may face flesh and blood, the battle is spiritual for us. And we allow God to overcome as we intercede and as we step in. What are we going to do? I want to end it in just reading chapter 31, actually, in Job's final appeal that he makes here. And he says, I'm going to find this in a moment. I actually thought that I had that that he uses this in 31 and makes his appeal and talks about if he has sinned. He says in verse 13 of Job 31, if I have rejected the cause of my manservant and my maidservant when they brought a complaint against me, what then shall I do when God rises up? When he makes inquiry, what shall I answer him? Job understood someone is always accountable, even in the highest and highest of power. Whatever you have and whomever you're over, you're answerable to God. Job understood that. I answered to God. And then he says in verse 15, did, did not he who made me in the womb make him? In other words, aren't we equally valuable before the Lord? So why am I treating him that way? And did not one fashion us in the womb? He's talking about weren't we both fashioned and born in the same way? We are all image bearers of God. Then he goes into this 16. Hear it. I don't have to speak a lot on it. If I have withheld anything that the poor desire, and that desire doesn't mean that he just asked frivolously that was that was needed that he wanted for his basic survival so if i have withheld anything that the poor desired or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel alone and in other words he hadn't shared it and the fatherless has not eaten of it from I mean, for from my youth the fatherless grew up with me as with the father and from my mother's womb i guided the widows if i have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing or the needy without covering, 
if his body has not been has not blessed me and if he was not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless and understand these were the people who were unprotected because I saw my help. I mean, because I saw my help in the gate, then let my shoulder blade fall from my shoulder and let my arm be broken for its socket. Listen to what he says. He says to him, look, if I've done these things, which he says he hasn't, let this happen to me. Let something drastic. But what he was telling us from him, what he was telling us is these are the things and the ways in which I pattern my life. I've not raised my hand against those who had no one to speak for them. I didn't abuse them. As a matter of fact, I stood in for them. Yes, there are other ways in which the righteous life is displayed. But this morning, I wanted to display the one that Job portrayed to us as he tried to defend his lifestyle before the Lord. Now, I understand he had to be corrected because we all, although, yes, we can live righteously, it is only by the act of God and by him calling us into relationship with him that we can even be there. So, no, we cannot stand here and say, God, you owe me. But Job understood what it meant to live righteously. And he was learning some other things that God was telling him. What is it for you? What do the vulnerable say when your name is called, or do they even know who you are? What do the people that need help say? What do the people that whose voices are either ignored or, are, or have no voice what are those, what would those people say about you and about us as a body of believers, as a church? Whom are we rescuing? What prey has dropped someone from their mouth because of our interceding for them? And that includes physically interceding. This week has just reminded me that as a church, don't just join into the fray just to be angry and join in. You better get God's agenda, and we need to do this God's way so that when people call out and speak, yeah, it's, they may mention your name, but they are really singing the praises of God because of who we are, first righteous and in friendship with God, and then we are in friendship with other people. Understand clearly, as I close this out, when Jesus was talking about that, and he mentioned in Scripture you know, that you are to love the Lord your God with everything you are, and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And when the, and when the, the Pharisee, when the, when the lawyer tried to justify himself and say, who is my neighbor? Jesus answers with the story of the account of, the good, of what we call the Good Samaritan. And then he asks him at the end, who was neighbor to the one who fell among the thieves? And he said, the one who showed compassion. Everyone is not a member of the family of God. Everyone is not your brother and sister in Christ because the whole world is not saved. But any and everyone can be your neighbor because it is to the person to whom you have the ability to show compassion when you meet them, when you find out about them, or as in the case of Job, when you search for them. 
And so Jesus gave us that example too, just in case you say this is an Old Testament thing. Ultimately, at the end, James gives us a great picture of it. And see if I can find that. I have that here. I think I do. James 1 and 27. James says it as well when he says for us, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, two of the quartet we said of the vulnerable back then, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And that means to keep a pure life. And so you walk with God in purity and you walk with people in integrity, with passion, seeking justice. That is God's way. And that's what I'll encourage us this morning that we do as we try and navigate these waters. Pray with me. Father, Lord, these are hard and trying times. And Lord, I pray that indeed you would move us, Lord, to seek your way righteously, remaining in relationship with you, to seek the kind of justice you want, you have stated, you have given. God, let us bring joy to someone's heart. Let us cause the vulnerable to sing. Let us lift them up and carry them. Let us see for them when they can't see themselves because God, that's what you did for us. And that is within your character. Father, I pray that we would not brush this off as something that's for someone else to do. Lord, that we would see it ourselves as what to do. But let us not get caught up in the world and in their value system and how they do things. Let us get our agenda from you, following your direction, your dictate, toward your end, that many may come to know you and may call your name, for you are great because you are God. We ask you this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.